0: You are listening to the Mom and Dad Podcast.
1: A podcast about balance, growth, and navigating through your 20s and 30s.
0: Welcome back to the Mom and Dad Podcast. How's your week been so far, Ashley?
1: Well, the weather has been up and down this week.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I was reading in my book the other night that the difference between reactive people and proactive people... Mm -hmm. And how reactive people are affected by the weather and proactive people don't let the weather affect them Hmm. like emotionally or like they don't, they're still able to be productive even if the weather is bad. Interesting. Because I, I'm just realizing how much of a reactive person I am. And I think we all are, but specifically with weather. Anyway, the weather has been up and down this week. So I've been a little bit reactive.
0: How's your week? It's been good. Remy's becoming more rebellious by throwing his food at dinner.
1: Yeah, that's the only rebellion you see throughout the day.
0: <laughs> that's all I see, but I'm noticing it ramping up. He's I-
1: starting to throw tantrums, which we talked about in a, a couple episodes ago, where Justin witnessed a tantrum, and I was like, "No way! He's not even one in, one and a half." But I think <laughs> he's still a very sweet boy. He's, he's- very sweet. He's very sweet, but if he, I think he's starting to understand maybe what no is Mm -hmm. or him just not getting his way. Mm -hmm. And the other morning I was folding laundry on the bed Mm -hmm. and I kept grabbing him and putting him down off the bed. Because if he were to be on the bed while I was folding laundry, he would just mess it all up. Mm -hmm. So every time he started crawling up onto the bed, I would pick him up and I would set him on the ground. And every time I would set him on the ground, he would throw himself onto the ground, like face to the floor and just sit there. And I'm like, and then he'd go and he'd try and get back up on the bed again. I'm like, no, you can't get up on the bed right now. Face on the floor.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got interesting ways of rebelling.
1: That tantrum was cute. Mm-hmm. The food throwing is is not so cute.
0: I don't think it's it's like he's. I think he thinks it's funny.
1: I think he does think it's funny because we say no, don't throw the food on the ground, and he laughs.
0: Yeah, and then I I I had the idea tonight to just take him away from the food and and put him on the stairs behind his gate lock and
1: so we could eat our dinner in peace.
0: No, just I thought you know my logic in the moment, which is probably dumb, was like okay if. He understands that every time he throws his food, I'm going to put him in that place.
1: But that's his favorite place in the house. Yeah, he
0: loves. That's the that's the downside is he loves the stairs. So he was like, I just heard him giggling the whole time. I was like, this is the worst timeout ever designed by a parent.
1: Yeah, and it's it's sad to be like, oh, I can't wait till like I can give him a proper timeout and like teach him a lesson. But at the same time, like he needs to learn like. It's not okay to throw your food on the ground. Yeah. You know? And to
0: throw it when you're like staring at mom and dad defiantly, which he does.
1: But that part's cute.
0: It is kind of cute. But we have to pretend like we're upset or angry because if he sees us smiling, then he's just going to keep doing it.
1: I wish there was information about teaching like behavioral stuff to a child that doesn't understand.
0: I'm sure there is.
1: Because I under like I know to just be, like, consistent with what you say you're going to do. But when he doesn't even understand any of that, like, he can't even grasp the fact that I'm taking him away from the bed to t- telling him not to get on the bed. Like, he can't grasp that. So I'm not really even teaching him a lesson. I'm just taking something away momentarily. And then he's, like, just back at it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just something you stay consistent with, and then they just start figuring it out, and then you've always been consistent with it. So in today's episode, we talk about the six needs, basic needs that we need in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll go over what they are and just get more into depth in get more into depth into them in the episode. But I think on that note, we can just jump right into it.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Disclaimer, this is going to be a lot of Tony Robbins again, but we just can't help it because this is great content and he's the only one that talks about it and he's talked about it for like 20 years.
1: So it's nothing new, people. It's been around.
0: It's been around, but I like the way, I think it's things that we all, when you hear them, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But it's the way that he organizes it that I think is valuable.
1: Well, you immediately connect yourself with it and you're like, oh, I do that. Yeah. (laughs) That's definitely what I do. Yeah, so you don't, it, it you don't need to be convinced,
0: sense. yeah. You don't need to be convinced that they're. You're like, yeah, I get it. I don't see any way that these wouldn't be the six core human needs.
1: Yeah, and I was thinking, actually, after listening to it, I'm like, what about creativity? Because creativity isn't one of them. Mm-hmm. Would you consider that under any of these?
0: Um, I think creativity comes with significance. Why? Because our creativity is how we distinguish ourselves from other people.
1: No, because I feel like significance is like, it revolves around outside sources giving you validation. Mm -hmm. But with art, it could be anything. Like people just maybe love to paint, Mm -hmm. you know, and no one ever sees it. No one ever sees the painting. Mm -hmm. But they they just have this desire to create and be creative in some way. Mm -hmm. There's lots of ways you can be creative, but I was just thinking about that. Like, I don't necessarily agree that it's an under significance. Maybe if it was something that you were like sharing with the world Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and you're like, look at this craft that I have. And then it it gives this view, it makes you feel significant because other people are looking at you of like, oh, you're different than me, maybe who doesn't have that talent or something. Mm -hmm. So I was just thinking about creativity solely for the purpose of yourself, like creating things for yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that it's, I mean,
1: well, do you think it lands under any of these?
0: I think it's, it's a branch, whereas these are more the roots. So you could like certainty, for example, if people are good at painting, then. And painting they know it'll bring them, them joy. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's something that they know is going to bring them pleasure. So it brings them a level of certainty. It's, okay. Or level of variety, for example. So, or even connection, like, maybe okay, that connection so people. we yeah. actually
1: haven't even told them the six things yet. So, Justin kind of just went through them. Let's just say them really quick. So, if we start talking about them like that again, <laughs> then people are like, wait, what? So, the six are these are the six needs that people they behave in certain ways to satisfy these needs. Mm-hmm. And the six are certainty uncertainty or variety, significance, connection or love, growth and contribution. So those are all six.
0: But yeah, so let's just continue the conversation cuz we just jumped right into it. So the the big thing that, that Tony Robbins talks about is there are you know, there these aren't goals, there's not they're not desires, they're not values, they're needs. And we will actually, in certain cases, get rid of our or will override our values in order to fulfill these needs. And so the the whole idea is that these are the things that are kind of the internal drivers of our behavior, and we need to develop ways of checking to see if the ways that we're getting the or that we're satisfying these needs are sustainable and if they're empowering or if they're not sustainable and they're you know, detrimental to us. So I think it's a really good way of just sort of looking at the roots of why we do what we do and how we're satisfying these needs to, mm-hmm. to kind of help us maybe make better better choices and, and figure out a way to, to get there without willpower. To
1: start, I wanted us to guess. He Tony Robbins talks about how we usually have two needs. Like Two of these are usually most important to the to us. Mm-hmm. So I want you to guess mine and I want to guess yours.
0: If I had to pick two for you, I would probably pick significance and variety.
1: Yeah, I would say that's yeah, that's pretty accurate. I was thinking significance and connection.
2: For me? But no or for you? me. Mm.
1: But um yeah, I could see variety being one, too. Maybe I would go significance, variety, connection. I don't know. Those three just seem seem to... See, I see myself in all of these, but yeah, those, those three are kind of my top. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got it. Good job. <laughs> For you, I would say contribution and growth. Am I right? Is that the two that you were thinking?
0: Yeah, that's the two that I would like. It to be
1: oh what are the two then
0: um i think i I, I think at times it's contribution and growth at times certainty is really big, really mhm
1: in uh example I really don't...
0: like my comfort zone, even though i'm I try to get outside of it, but I feel like there are things that i I'm just if I let myself, I become very introverted, yeah, I've been fighting that for a long time, but yeah, that's
1: introverted, hmm what do you mean, introverted?
0: Like I don't, I don't like going to the store if I don't have to. I well, like no one likes going my, to the
1: store if they don't have yeah, to. Yeah, but
0: people don't like going because they don't want the hassle of it. I don't like going because I don't like being around people. What? We're learning new things about each other every day. Yeah, I'm, I, I like my little bubble, and I will kind of retreat into it if I don't check it, or if I don't keep it in check. So certainty is, is, has always been really big for me. So yeah. Maybe we could just go through like one by one. And cause I think what we've noticed, even in this past five minutes is that it's difficult to pick your, your two most important ones. Cause they're, they're, if they're most important, they're only most important by like a hair. Like they're not a huge, they don't have a huge lead for most people. I think mm-hmm. we're all a mix of these, but I think it, it would be helpful. And this is kind of what I had in mind was to to go through each one and just kind of examine how each of us approaches it, and then maybe maybe give some other more generic examples of mm-hmm. you know what, how people might use that, and how we could substitute some of those detrimental ones for more empowering ones.
1: Mm-hmm. So number one is certainty, mm-hmm. and the little definition is assurance. You can avoid pain and gain pleasure. So. Tony Robbins gives examples of people gaining certainty from God or working out. But the thing is with certainty is you want this need. When you act on this need, you want it to be Mm long-term. Basically is what I got out of it. Mm -hmm. So what's an example that he gave for like the pros and cons of making actions for certainty? (laughs) Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. One of the examples that he gave was we all crave certainty to some extent, but we just get there different ways. So like getting angry was one of the examples. He's like, and he said, you know, you might say, oh, well, that's not certain because if you're, if you're constantly getting angry, you're going to ruin your life's relationships and then you're, you're going to be in a very uncertain, uncomfortable place and you're going to destroy your certainty. And so he says that these things are what are most important to us in the moment are what we're, we're going to act on. So getting angry in the moment, some people find certainty from getting angry because it gives them a they're not wishy-washy. They they've made a stance, right? They made a deci- a determination that they stand this way about a certain topic and they're angry about it and they're going to let you know. And so it's it's a way of getting to certainty. Um, another one is some people find certainty from self-reliance. So the the grit that they know I can, you know, I can get there. I can, no matter what comes my way, I know I can get there. Some people get it through prayer. Um, there, there's a bunch of different ways. Some people get it through working out. So there's, there's a million different ways to get there, but the idea is, is that we are all focused on satisfying that need. It's interesting. I, I guess, how would you say that you most often, like, what are your most often methods for achieving certainty?
1: The thing that helps me find certainty is doing things in advance. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I know like it's hair washing day, like I'm going to be washing my hair, which means it's going to take me a lot longer to get ready. And that means I need to shower at night and I need to dry my hair at night. And then it's going to take way less time for me to get ready in the morning. And then I'll, I can just have more time to get things done or do anything else than mm-hmm. get ready in the morning because it just takes so long. Mm-hmm. So I'm certain that if I do things in advance, and that's just one example, but like if I do the dishes at night, then I won't have to do them in the morning. Or if I do the dishes in the morning, then I'll have less dishes throughout the day mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I guess it's just acting proactively.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, I think it's like spreadsheets. <laughs> so I find most. Those- Certainty in my life yeah. just because I can map things out and kind of automate my my thought process. But aside from that, I don't think it's just like, I think there, there are different aspects where we need certainty. So I think what we've talked about thus far is focusing on productivity is kind of like the way that we reach certainty. But I think a lot of times the most effective way for me to feel certain, especially if I'm not, you know, selling as well at work or know, just stressed about, you know, hitting quota or something like that, I think the best way to find certainty is gratitude and service. Because if I, and I'm, I haven't been good about it lately, but trying to to look outward and see other people that you can help just has a way of making your problem seem smaller and, and then combining that with focusing on the good that you do have. Mm-hmm is is really helpful for at least sort of calming that fight or flight feeling that I have when I'm stressed,
1: yeah, and I think that's a that can help anybody mm-hmm. feel cer if you serve someone else, you are certain to feel joy what after serving someone, at least from my experience and your experience and I think people just can agree with that
0: yeah it's, I would say that that's universally true, and it also checks off contribution, which is another need. And something interesting that Tony Robbins said is that if we do an action that simultaneously fills all, like, three or more of these needs at once, then we'll become addicted to that thing, which could be for good or for bad. it's so
1: satisfying. We just can't help but do it.
0: Yeah. So contribution, service and gratitude, accomplish. Contribution, certainty, and connection. Or love, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think that's why you know people can get addicted to service. Which are people? I think I I feel like I have been in the past where, but it you know that that's a double edged sword because then you can be just serving for your own selfish gain, mm-hmm. or for the recognition and significance that it gives you. So that's another need, and then you know it can kind of you can get off track. So. It's always a double-edged sword. Everything in balance.
1: So as for the opposite, we have uncertainty or variety. Can you explain to me how those two are the same or they go together?
0: So uncertainty is a lack of n- knowing exactly how something's going to unfold. Mm-hmm. Variety, the spice of life, is the same thing where it's you're you're shaking things up. You're not having the same results or the same routine. You're breaking out of it to get that feeling of uncertainty.
1: So why do you think people would need that or want to feel uncertain? Doesn't it kind of seem counterintuitive? Yeah, I guess
0: I think that it's it, it to me, it it seems to all boil down to excitement. Yeah. And I've heard, I can't remember where I heard this, but and quite honestly might've been Tony Robbins as well, but I've listened to a lot of Tony Robbins over the years, but there's, you'll see it in families where the family is doing really well and they seem to be getting along. And then all of a sudden, you know, the kid acts up at school or the parents start getting in fights or, you know, picking fights uh, over seemingly nothing and, or couples start picking fights over seemingly nothing. And it's, it's the, the fact that variety is not being satiated or not being fulfilled. Do you think? Yeah. Or connection? Well, one or the other, but I think in most cases, if people get too much into a routine and things seem to go too well, then they, they screw something up just so that they can have a little bit of variety. A
1: little spice.
0: Yeah. Or the, the get in a fight just because they're bored. So I think that that is, it sounds ridiculous and it's completely illogical, but we are not logical beings. Like we're emotional beings and we, these are emotional needs to a large extent.
1: So he says the secret to handling uncertainty when maybe it could be something that's negative to where you could possibly be ju- jumping in and out of like a ton of different things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Ding, 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 me. He says the secret. So all of these, and I think we've already said this, but all of these have a positive and a negative. mm mm-hmm. If this is a positive, a negative, then the secret to handling uncertainty is to track progress.
0: Mm, I like that because, yeah, he. I've also heard it described as like the dabblers versus those that are achieving mastery. Yeah. Where it's like people who are dabbling, you get a sense of excitement every time you start something new. Right. And then when you get into it too long, it starts to become just the, you know, you've made the the massive gains that you make whenever you're learning something new and you, you make these really big leaps at first, but then it starts to become just a small incremental growth. And that's where people are just like, okay, this is boring. I don't get that same feeling of uncertainty or variety. I kind of know what's coming and I know it's going to be kind of monotonous. So then they just jump to something else yeah and they learn something else new, which I'm definitely guilty of. You need to... Find another need that that continuous progress towards mastery satiates and not focus on not make the goal of it the excitement,
1: yeah. Because when you're tracking the progress and you see that there's growth, that's just going to bring back that excitement, so you still have that variety and that uncertainty of like, okay, I'm like going to continually progress in this area and then. When you're tracking that, like I just said, it brings back that excitement.
0: Yeah. And I think it also can bring a a fair amount of significance too, where you feel good about yourself when you're sticking with something and you're, you're continuing past the point where the dabblers lost interest.
1: Yeah. Well, that just brings confidence. Mm -hmm. If you are, if you're sticking to what you tell yourself you're going to do, you will gain confidence in that area.
0: Yeah. And self-trust. Which is essentially the same thing, but self-trust, like trusting yourself to do what you say you're going to do, is, I think it's another way, of, it's a healthier way of achieving certainty. As I well. think
1: that is the biggest thing that everybody struggles with, is not having enough self-trust and enough confidence in yourself to do what you say you're actually going to do. Mm-hmm. Which is hard because especially when you are really pushing for something, and then you make the wrong choice and then you're like, mm, like I'm done, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just discouraging. Yeah. But if we can just keep picking ourselves back up and and keep trusting in ourselves that we will do what we know is best for us.
2: Yeah, and I
0: th- it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. And I think the I, I always come back to the the quote from Ray Dalio, which I'm gonna paraphrase and probably butcher, but he talks about the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, and so when we're when it's not it 's almost not self trust because there's really kind of two beings inside of us there's the being that's that's logical and that's conscious, so the one we 're thinking about, and then there's the subconscious, which is kind of like this animalistic being that just kind of goes with the flow and does what what it feels, and we're it takes, we have to be patient with that that being and sort of coach it and train it to adopt or want good things, which, so self-trust is really learning to train your subconscious part of you to act in a way that your conscious mind wants it to, if that makes sense. Kind of. I don't know. Maybe I just went into the weeds on that. I'll find the quote. We actually talked about it in another episode. I think it was in Habits. Anyway. So do you feel like there are ways that you get variety out of life that are healthy or do you feel like you have unhealthy or unsustainable ways of getting it?
1: I feel like I definitely crave variety. Mm-hmm. And obviously this is one of my strongest one of my strongest needs. So I do have negative ways of satisfying this need, but I think there's also positives as well. Mm -hmm. And with the positives, I have found from wanting variety in my life, pushing myself out of my comfort zone to find that variety. Because if I need it, that means I have to go out of my comfort zone to get it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've done.
0: Yeah, no, I feel like I do that too. Especially with, I, I feel like I'm very, very calculated. And when I get into a rhythm of tracking our, our finances for example i like to be very very exact that's certainty no uh, i'm getting to it i like to be very very exact with it but then i feel like i get to this point where i'm like i gotta take a risk or i gotta do some risks or i gotta go buy a bunch of GameStop stock you know like just something to or i gotta start learning to day trade so i can have a bunch of risk in my life or, or uncertainty so i feel like i, I have just kind of like two versions of me but that stuff
1: I wouldn't say that, that it, it excites you, but it also gives you a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Like for that's example, what I mean. I'm like the Dr. Jekyll thing. and Mr.
0: Hyde. That's what I'm saying. Or Mr. Hyde. Yeah. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde where I'm like, I crave certainty.
1: But once you're in it, you're like, uh,
0: then I jump in. I, I feel like I need risk and I jump in and then I'm just like freaking out the whole time. But yeah.
1: And what we're talking about is he bought some GameStop stock. And then the whole entire time that he was in it, he was just like, "I need to constantly be watching what's going on."
0: Well, yeah, that with a stock that's that volatile, like obviously that's going to happen. But I bought it for the wrong reasons. I bought it to be part of just to be part of the moment in history, which what? is not a good reason to invest. You and did. I was hoping it would bubble again. But anyway, that's a story for another time. Which it has not yet, but you know, maybe maybe it will.
1: Yeah, but the uncertainty kills you
0: the uncertainty on but like bitcoin it wasn't like that because i i bought bitcoin a couple of years ago and as soon as i bought it it went down i bought one bitcoin and then it lost like four thousand dollars the next day hmm. and then i was i was kind of freaking out but i was like you know what i believe in bitcoin i believe that decentralized forms of currency are are going to be you know it could be a a, a legitimate store of value anyway we won't get into that but I had good reasons, and I did a lot of research before I bought it, whereas with GameStop, I was just like, man, I missed the train. This is such a cool moment in history because the, the little guys banded together and took down the institutions, and I wanted to be part of it. So it was not based on fundamentals. Stock was already way overvalued when I bought it. so
1: Which is why you were panicking?
0: Which is why I, I wouldn't have been panicking, because I didn't panic with Bitcoin, and I lost way more money with bitcoin when i dropped when i bought it but now my bitcoin is doing obviously significantly better so
1: that's long-term uncertainty yeah you which know, is why if, most
0: people don't day trade because it's a lot of short-term
1: but if you can stick with something that you are so uncertain with for a long long time i guess you're kind of satisfying that need right there mm-hmm. so the third one significance and i think a lot of us deal with this one. I think this is a big one for everyone. Yeah, most people, not everyone, but most
0: people. I think everybody. Honestly, Feeling- this one I think is big for everybody because I've heard Russell Brunson, who's the founder of ClickFunnels, that's a mm-hmm. marketing tool, and he talks about in one of his books, which I believe is called uh, Expert Secrets, talks about the the number one key thing that everyone everyone does everything for one of two reasons for either love or status. So he's kind of boiling these down to two, but he says we, they either do it for love or status and status synonymous with, with significance. So it's just, it, 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 I won't go into it more, but it, it, I think it's very, very true. we whether we want to, Mira I will go into it more. We want to be seen as someone who's a, you know, a flashy balling out with a Tesla in the driveway So we can keep up with the Joneses or even the person who's the exact opposite of that, who's very thrifty and prides themselves on their thrift. Like that is a way that they see themselves building status with other people or being building recognition or respect. Yeah. So it's like you could argue that, oh, well, the person who values thrift doesn't care about status. Yes, they do. It's just they see thrift as a way to get them to status or significance. Whereas Because
1: there is a demographic for that those people that think highly of people who are thrifters,
0: which, you know, being thrifty is a completely admirable.
1: Yes. Oh, it is, yeah, yeah. it is good. And it makes me think it's like, well, how do you live your life? Not trying to be significant. Do you just not tell anybody anything?
0: Russell Brunson says we're slaves to it. Whether or not we, we want to, we want to be
1: because I'm like, yeah, I like to thrift. And sometimes I tell people about it. <laughs> <laughs> is that what I'm trying to do?
0: Probably, but it's not like... Ego is like a big part of who we are, so we can't... like how can we're we humans. leave it at the door? We can't. I don't, I don't think we can. I think Russell Brunson is right to an extent that we are slaves to status, regardless of what we view as improving our status.
1: Re- yeah, regardless of how we view the word status. Because mm-hmm. when you hear the word status, you think wealth mm-hmm. and riches and nice things and stuff. Mm-hmm. but mm, sometimes that's not the case. It can be convenience.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like I, I only do things if it's convenient.
0: Yeah, and another point on that. So I'm reading this book right now. Friend recommended it to me. It's a really, really good read. Very dense, and it's taken a long time to get through, but it's when called... When are you going
1: to read my book that I got you for Christmas?
0: That one's really long, and I will get to it once I get through these other really long books that I've already been listening to. Okay. But this one's called The End of History and the Last Man. It's by Francis Fukuyama, and he's basically making the argument where he's quoting uh, Hegel, who was a, a precursor to Karl Marx, who wrote the Communist Manifesto, and was kind of the like Marxist theory is the birth of communism. But anyway, Hegel was before Marx. Marx took a lot from Hegel. Hegel wasn't a, really a communist as much as he was arguing that the world would eventually progress where all nations would eventually progress towards liberal democracy because liberal democracy is what gives every citizen recognition or significance, which is the one thing that we all crave and if all societies around the world achieve a liberal democracy then there'll be no more need for war because we'll all War is a way that nations or peoples have gotten significance throughout history. But if we're all part of liberal democracies where we get we satisfy that need for recognition through living in a liberal democracy and being able to participate in, you know, the formation of, you know, government or, or legislation or being able to vote or protest or, you know, get education and all of that, then we won't need to all go to war. And so it's a really interesting topic. I don't know if I buy all of it, but Again, it comes down to, like, the very fabric of our government is based around recognition, significance. Like, that's that's a very big part.
1: And our school system, like, people who get straight A's are put up on this pedestal. Whether people, I don't know, you can go way into into schooling and learning, but the way people learn may be different than the people who do really well. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a it's interesting where we put significance
2: mm-hmm.
1: in people and how we how we strive to feel significant.
0: Yeah, because the same in the same classroom, the kid there's a kid who's getting straight A's and that's how they feel significant, and then there's a kid who's getting Fs because that's how they get significance. Right.
1: What how would they get significance from that?
0: Like Tony Robbins said, the excerpt of the talk that we listened to where he said most people view someone who's like a gets straight A's and they have everything working perfectly in their life they say well yeah isn't that easy for you that's great for you okay. you get mad about it right but yeah. then it's it's better or easier to connect with other people if we sort of sandbag or we
1: Okay so the people that are getting F's aren't feeling significant because they're getting F's they're feeling significant by tearing down the person getting A's and then people around them can relate with that.
0: Yep, he said okay. the, most of the way. I love this because it's so spot on. Where most of the ways that people get significance is through problems. Where it's popular, especially nowadays, with like TikTok and all of this other stuff. Like it's so popular to be broken or damaged. Like it's very popular to be like if you're if you're broken, you get recognition as. I would say that's just a generational thing. I don't know. I feel like it's always been where it's just... Yeah, and maybe it is. You know, maybe in in the past it was more on you didn't want to show that you were struggling with something and that's how you got recognition or, you know, never let them see you smile while you're bleeding type of a mentality. Whereas now it's like, I'm broken. Everything, I'm not... My life is not good. I'm not okay.
1: Or people who... We could describe so many different people, how yeah. they find significance, but like people who just don't care about anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care, you know, like they find significance in being the person who doesn't care about anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's so many different people that we could describe.
0: Yeah. And the bottom line is like, we all are going, and I think that this is so crucial to understand that we are, we will do anything to satisfy these needs. Mm-hmm. So it's not that these needs are going to go unfulfilled. Like we're going to do something to satisfy each one of these needs. It's just, especially the first four. So uncertainty, certainty, uncertainty, variety, love connection, or significance and the love and connection are the first four. And those are the ones that we will do anything to satisfy in good or bad, using good or bad methods to get there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So next, let's just jump to the next one. We've given lots of different examples um connection and love so a strong feeling of closeness or union with someone or something
0: mm-hmm. yeah and the, he says most people settle for connection because love is too scary which i thought was interesting mm-hmm. he said one one way to get love or connection is like get a dog <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it's like you leave for five minutes you come back it's like they haven't seen you in six months even if you're a terrible pet owner they just love you and they're all over you so that's one way that you know, people get you know, uh, that connection or that feeling of love. But I was also thinking about with this one, it's like there was, there was a man, I can't remember his name, but he moved to the middle of nowhere, Alaska, built a log cabin with his bare hands, and he lived in it. And he basically lived off of trout from like these lake trout from a lake nearby this little cabin that he built. So I was like, what type of connection is he looking for? Because he lived alone for like 30 years. Up in the middle of nowhere, and so I don't think it necessarily means connection with other people,
1: connection with nature.
0: Yeah, and then like we just talked about the dog examples. So yeah, it doesn't need to necessarily be with another person, but connection with something. We need to connect to something else that we see as living.
1: Well, a way for us to feel that we're not alone.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we're not alone, because he said there's only so much joy you can feel alone. Yeah. Where you have to have you have to have some someone to share it with. it's like when you get a good grade on a test or when you, you know, succeed at something, like what's the first thing you want to do? You want to tell someone about it, right? Because we have this need for connection with other people.
1: So that makes me think about when people become single and they're like, I don't need anyone. Mm-hmm. I don't need blah blah blah. And then they end up just getting in a relationship really quick again. Mm-hmm because they didn't find connection anywhere
0: else. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great example. I think it's a really, really common example where a lot of people, and I feel like I was this way. I, I have always been this way where I, I haven't liked to be single. Mm-hmm. I've You're always one of those... needed to be in a relationship. Yeah. And I think that's probably due to a, a, a need to fulfill this need.
1: Yeah. Thinking about it now I I didn't like in high school. I wasn't in a lot of relationships, and I didn't care to really be in a relationship.
0: But you had because, a really close knit group of friends. But
1: that's what I'm thinking about yeah. now. Like I had my connection through my friends, mm-hmm. and like that was like that was fine. That was good. Mm-hmm. I was good with that. So did you not have friends?
0: <laughs> I had friends, but I don't know. There's just I feel like there's some people that get a fulfillment of this specifically through. A romantic relationship.
1: Well, they focus on that. They're like, I can't have connection unless it's romantic. Yeah. When that's not the case, really.
0: Yeah, for some people it is. So, you know, we're not here to judge. (laughs) I personally was like that, but anyway, you were not. It's okay. It's
1: just funny to think about. Like, now it's not just, that's just who I was. It's like, no, I was fulfilling a need. Mm-hmm. Or a need was being met, and I didn't feel I needed anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now that after hearing all of this stuff, and Tony Robbins says, like, after you hear this, you're gonna re- You're not just going to see people behaving, like, having behaviors. Like, you're going to see people behaving in ways to meet needs.
0: Yeah, which I think helps you have more grace for people.
1: I think so, too.
0: Which is good. Mm-hmm. We're not just evil people. like. People aren't, people aren't good or bad. Like people are just, they have a healthy way of getting to these needs or they have an unhealthy way of getting to these needs. And that's kind of the difference based on their upbringing or based off of, you know, just the habits that they developed that have gotten them to, you know, results to get there.
1: But you also stop taking people's actions personally mm-hmm. because you start realizing, oh, they just don't feel enough connection mm-hmm. or they don't feel enough certainty. So they're acting this way. And like you said in the beginning, people stray from their values to meet their needs. Mm -hmm. When you don't think you would, you know, like talking about it, but you may.
0: If your needs are on the line.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's the only way that your brain in the moment can fathom getting there, then yeah, you will. Right. And I think that's part of maturing and part of growing is being able to recognize, recognize, recognize these things. And I also think that it gives you a tool to help other people because it'll make you less judgmental and it'll give you a way to maybe educate them. Like, And it's hard to you know, lecture someone like, you're just doing this because you lack the need of certain You're, you know, you're not fulfilling you're your not. need for certainty. <laughs> but um, I don't know. There's, I think there's, there's a lot of application for this. And that's kind of what Tony Robbins' big thing is contribution. Like He's all, all about empowering people to go out and be his emissaries, to, to share these, these things that he's learned over the years. And I think this is something, it's a valuable tool.
1: So next one, growth. We are not happy if we are not growing. There's no such thing as plateauing in life. Do you believe that?
0: I think you're either, you're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. Yeah. And I love that he, he's always said this, and I've, I've always believed it even before I heard him say it, but he says, progress equals happiness. So we can live with these other the first four. We can find the first four needs. We can fulfill the first four in unsustainable ways, but we'll never be happy unless we reach these last two. And it's because these last two are what help us to progress.
1: In my experience, the last couple years, after diving into all of the these different, realizing all of these things about how to grow and like, realizing things about myself and like why I do different things, blah blah blah, having realization these last couple years, I'm almost addicted to this one, because I believe it. Like I know if I'm not doing something good for myself, I'm going to be sad. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be down on myself and I'm going to think lowly of myself. Lowly, is that a word?
0: Yes, I'm not sure that. I think that's the right place to use I'm it. I'm
1: going to think low, of, less, less. I'm going to think less of myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost addicted to the feeling of that happiness that comes from growth. It makes, that feeling makes me excited to live. Yeah. Like it makes me excited to be like, oh, like, I wonder where I'm going to be in a year from now or two years from now.
0: Variety. Yeah. So maybe
1: that's why I'm addicted to it because it gives me variety and maybe a little bit of significance because I feel that I am growing and becoming better and becoming maybe more important to Mm. society or to my family or to,
0: you know? Yeah. I think I'm the same way. Yeah. Learning for me. So progress or growth for me, I think is best. It's manifest. Most effectively in learning new things and applying them, which obviously that's kind of like the definition of growth. But I think learning that I could learn anything I put my mind to was like where my, where life just becomes fun no matter what else is going on or like becomes exciting. Yeah.
1: There's an exponential amount of information out there Mm -hmm. that you can learn. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it makes it exciting. He says what you get, will never make you happy. Who you become is what will bring you happiness. And I, I've never really witnessed somebody, but say someone who has succeeded in business and their business is just doing so well, you know, like they're at the top of their game on their business, but they're still sad or just like rich people. Everyone says rich people like money doesn't bring you happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, like you work, work so hard and then you, you have all this money and then you're like, I'm not even happy. And I think the reason people aren't happy is because, I don't know, they weren't growing in the process mm-hmm. or they weren't developing themselves and like their being.
0: No, I agree. I think it's 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 so necessary and I see... A lot of times people sort of shun this one because, and again, it's easier to live in the first four without focusing on growth or contribution. But when we do, that's where we really, like life really starts to open up and we f- we experience a fulfillment. And I think that for me personally, spiritual growth is the most important of those, but you know, psychological or intellectual or physical growth, I think are all interconnected with that.
1: Mm-hmm. I think they're all one being- You know, they're, they're all encompassing.
0: Mm -hmm. Which brings us to contribution, which you've already kind of talked about.
1: So I, the thing that's coming to mind, contribution is service. But is there any other way for contribution to be met other than service?
0: I think there's a lot of different ways that you can contribute. And there's a lot of different ways that you can serve where it's not necessarily mowing someone's lawn. But setting a good example, I think, is probably the, the most powerful form of service. Well, not the most powerful, but it's a very f- powerful form of service to...
1: Why would you say that?
0: Because I think it's hard to set a good example or to live your life in, in a way that you're exemplary. But it's, if you're doing it so that you can be sort of a beacon for others to follow, not in a self-righteous way, but in a, like, I want to help people way, I think it's a form of service. And I think that's that to me is what Tony Robbins does really well. Is he he practices what he preaches, Mm -hmm. and he's kind of a he's he's really helped me in a lot of different ways. Just because I know that he lives what he what he talks about. Same with Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, who are Navy SEALs. They wrote the book Extreme Ownership. Like they take extreme ownership with everything in their lives they they don't make excuses for anything they wake up at 4 30 every morning it's just like when you see people live like that that example inspires you to raise your own standards
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and to get away from only living in the first four needs and get up to growth and significant or growth and and contribution
1: okay you've made your point
0: (laughs) that's just how i see it
1: no, I agree. I I asked and you delivered. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other ways too of service or contribution. And I agree with you that service doesn't have to be like outwardly actions.
0: I don't know. I mean, I think it's another example of it of contribution could be raising good humans, teaching them to participate in society or in their church community or School community, or you know, I think teaching is just
1: teaching them to be good people.
0: Teaching them to be kind. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the biggest, most beneficial form of contribution because the I well I I believe that the family is the most fundamental unit of society. Uh, Well, the the individual and then the family are the two most fundamental units of building blocks of societies, and if everyone takes responsibility for. Contributing good children to the world, then the world will continue to have good people brought up into it, and yeah. societies will benefit
1: yeah there we go. There's another example right there. Is there anything that you wanted to end on?
0: I think there's a reason why contribution is number six
1: why it's on oh his yeah,
0: list like like it it gets it's almost like Maslow's hierarchy of needs where it's like self-actualization is the the peak or the pinnacle. Um, But I think that contribution is like, you can have certainty, uncertainty, significance, connection. You can have all of those in like a really selfish way. And as we've talked about, you can have growth and contribution in a selfish way as well. But I feel like growth or contribution is the one that forces you to get outside of yourself more so than the others. And I think when you get outside of yourself, like that is the essence of what it takes to be a good person in general, like to, to have healthy societies, I believe the contribution is so important Mm -hmm. in finding ways to get involved and to help. You have to, you have to live for something more than just your own satisfying your own needs and mm-hmm. i think the contribution is the best way to do that yeah. and it's also the one that takes the most maturity i don't know that's myself
1: selflessness
0: yeah selfless contribution is is harder i think but
1: well we're so wrapped up in our own worlds that it's hard to just step out even for a second mm-hmm. and be like scan be like Who needs where help? where More can intensive. i help yeah
0: and we do psychologically think the world revolves around us. But if we can get outside of that, like, we and can it's grow, hard not
1: to. It is like we literally are ourselves.
0: We're wired that way.
1: Well, we that's that's all we know ourselves. That's where we live, that's where our spirit lives. Mm-hmm. You know, does that make sense? It makes sense. It makes why sense why we're so focused on ourselves because. And we all are like you could say to someone with a negative connotation, like you're so full of yourself, but it's like we're all full of ourselves because we are us and that's Mm -hmm. what we know. Yeah. So have some grace and just realize that it is hard to step out and be like, some people I think are very naturally good at it. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of us need to work on that more where we need to just step out and. See where help is needed.
0: So ending on that note, that brings us to the challenge for the week.
1: The challenge is find one active service that you can do each day for this next coming week. Find one thing you can do for somebody else. Whether that's just sending a text and saying hi to somebody or I don't know, whatever you want it to be, you
2: Mm -hmm. can choose.
1: So... Look for an act of service every day and do that thing. And I think you'll realize how it actually can be very easy to find things to do.
0: Yeah, there's opportunities all around. It's just are we willing to inconvenience ourselves to stop what we're doing or where we're headed to help? Okay, um, so that's the end of the episode. Hopefully you found it